Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 76 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Mitchell Hashimoto. Mitchell is a passionate engineer, professional speaker, and founder of HashiCorp, a company whose goal is to make the best DevOps tools in the world. Mitchell is also an O'Reilly author and a top GitHub user in terms of followers, activity, and contributions. So, Mitchell, can I ask you to expand on that brief introduction and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Of course, yeah. So uh, that was the whirlwind tour for the past five or six years. I've been hyper-focused on uh, building out HashiCorp and all the open source tools surrounding that. And so, you know, just to name them, I'll just name them, won't go into them uh, as a way to help maybe recognize some of my work, perhaps. As Vagrant, Packer, Console, Terraform, Vault, Nomad, and some others. Those are the big ones. Um, but, yeah. you know, a lot of different categories, and that's really been my focus. Indeed. I mean, that's quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> You've yeah. obviously been very busy. It's been a busy, busy uh, six or seven years, yes. So, Mitchell, can you maybe share a unique career tip with us, one that the audience needs to know maybe doesn't? Sure. Um you know, I wanted to avoid anything too typical, I'd say. So one thing I do, and I've always found very useful, and I've done it even before I had this company, was I schedule time, and, and it will require so your employer to, to have some flexibility, but I always I schedule time where I'm not going on vacation, but I am working per se, but I'm, I take a week, and I really just focus on trying something totally new but related to what i'm doing so in my space and in infrastructure you know that might be trying the latest and greatest sort of cloud service that got announced or something and i try it not just to like see how it works but I actually try to use it in a real project so I try to come up with some fake project and um, i've always done that since before i even had a job before, when i was you know in school still i always scheduled time like i schedule it i put it on my calendar as like this is your week that you need to do something different and I've always felt that that's been very helpful in keeping me abreast of what's going on. But also it's it's been inspirational at times where I'll do something and be like, oh, there's a great opportunity here or there's a great way to improve uh, what we're doing at work. Um, and I think that finding that time to step away from from being in the trenches and and sort of learning is really important. Do you feel that actually helps you in in terms of being able to stay motivated and enthused by what you do. Yeah, it's definitely a part of it. I think most importantly, I, I, I believe it keeps me innovative in a way, for lack of better words. It's easy to, it's easy to get hyper-focused on something. And while you're having tunnel vision on one thing, you know, the world's passing you by, and I didn't want that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So Mitchell, maybe can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Sure. Um, I mean, I think everyone has the the typical trial by fire where you delete the production database. I certainly <laughs> had that, and and so I'll 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 not go into that. I think that's pretty common. My worst one caused me the most stress, got me sweating. 
um, was I used to work for an ad company. I served ads, um, not Google, like a small startup ad company. And they're, you know, they're making money. It's a real business. And I was in charge of the infrastructure. And I realized that I didn't realize till I left because alarm bells didn't go off. It is a startup after all. But after I left, I realized I had misconfigured something in the infrastructure so that we probably weren't serving any ads. And uh, I wasn't sure, but that was the feeling I had. And I couldn't leave where I was at the time. So I had like, it was going to take me at least 45 minutes to figure this out. I was texting some people frantically, uh, but at the same time, didn't want to give it away. But I knew it would be caught anyway. So anyway, I ended up going back and uh, yep, totally, totally did the wrong thing. We weren't serving any ads and uh, lost the company. A decent amount of money. Again, not like Google levels, but it, yeah. it was a bad hour and a half and and it was directly caused by one individual, uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, recognize how the mistake occurred or what you did? Obviously, you, you realized, obviously, after you left, yeah. was it something obvious? Was it something you could have maybe addressed while you were there if you'd thought about it differently? I think this is going to be really common, but it was misconfigured IP tables on a server. So... The way our health checks worked at the time where they were all local hosts and that was all fine and good and letting traffic, but I accidentally misconfigured the IP tables so that our, basically the the service that decided, do you serve an ad or not, yep. uh, was not receiving traffic. And the apps that integrated the ad, they fail gracefully, right? Like if you can't, <laughs> if you fail to reach the ad server, you just don't show an ad. That's how you fail. So there's no red lights or anything like that. Monitoring was also green because it was all local, which is a, which was a mistake, obviously something we fixed later, but yeah, that was what happened. Right. Okay. So maybe moving away from your worst moment, can you tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? If I had to pick one, I, I've made a lot of tools. I'm very proud of them. But the one I'm most proud of, the biggest like IT career success, is I think the the change in thinking that has sort of come around with Vault's success. So one of the tools that I created with Armand, my co-founder at Oshcorp was a tool called Vault, which is a secrets management tool. And the thing that I love about it is that it's just so different from how other people did secrets management and encryption as a service and and things like that. And yet it's it's about three or four years old now. And it's it has a ton of adoption in, you know, Fortune 500s and startups. And Google made an announcement yesterday and without even telling us. Uh, they announced that, you know, on day one with their announcement that it works with vaults. Like it's 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 a very <laughs> successful product I'm proud of. But the thing I'm most proud of it isn't its success per se. It's the fact that that I was able to sort of build a different way of thinking about security. And it worked. I mean, it very easily could have not worked, but yep. I, I'm very proud of that. Brilliant. Can you maybe move on and tell us about what excites you about the future of IT um, and careers in the industry? What excites me about the future is that we're getting into this future where IT, well, infrastructure, not IT as a role, but infrastructure, the machines are being viewed as more and more disposable every day. And I think that's a critical base reality to get to so that we could improve automation and, and it also improves stability, right? Like if something is being destroyed very frequently, then you have to have a very good process of recreating it. And I think that just makes everything more resilient. So Every single day with a few years ago with the rise of containers and then now we're sort of in the midst of the rise of schedulers and pets versus cattle servers and all this sort of viewpoint. I mean, it's going to take different people, different amount of years to, to reach this reality. It's not easy to get to it, but it just makes me so optimistic about the future because uh, I think it will make everything a lot 
more resilient. Yeah. Do you have um, views on things like sort of built-in redundancy as well? Obviously, Apple in particular are very, very smart in the way they produce their products. Do you see that as a continuing trend? Redundancy and resiliency in general, I think, in this world of disposable servers and cheap servers, it has to become, again, another fundamental requirement. It's, if you're a you know, software vendor today and you're selling software to an IT person that doesn't have high availability baked in, then you're sort of laughed out of the room. It's, it's, yeah. It used to be okay to say, here's this one box, keep this one box running. That's how it works. Um, if you say that today, it won't work. You have to say, you know, here's at least these two boxes. So if one yes. fails, it doesn't work. Uh, hopefully, you know, N could be greater than two, though. Yep. Are there any areas of technology that particularly interest you going forward as well? I don't want to jump on like the the hype train, but you know, I am excited for how performance, sort of around the border from training to execution, you know, AI models are getting, and I, I'm not going to tout general AI. That's not what I'm saying, but even just basic sort of classification and the ability for really like individuals now to have access to data sets and compute power to train models and just use them as part of normal function call in your program. I think it's so powerful. Like the fact that iOS has core ML and as an individual, I could train a model that could recognize bugs or animals or whatever. I think it's, it's so amazing that we've achieved that level of abstraction. And I think it'll enable quite a lot. We're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I have always gotten a kick out of making, you know, it's almost like robotics, like watching things work in exactly the way I told them to, like go up, then go right, then things like that. And I was always focused on the automation side of IT, and I really saw it as an opportunity to program these vast fleets of, of servers and make them do you know, things for me. And that's what attracted me is just a huge automation problem waiting to be solved uh, when I looked at it. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, the best career advice I received was probably to, to do everything. Um, someone told me this really early on because as any overachieving type of 18 or 19 year old will, will think it's sort of, you, you get really stressed out early on about I need to focus on one thing and be the best at it. But someone told me, you know, slow down, actually do everything. Like this is the time to do everything. And, and I said 18, 19, because that's how old I was. But at any age, I think too many people find one problem and just decide to go deep on it when I think, I think you should spend time doing everything. Um, so I spent time in IT, but I also spent time building iPhone apps and I spent time with Android apps and, and various other chat programs, social networks, all sorts of stuff. And it really helped me understand what I really loved, but it also helped me in the same way when you learn different types of programming languages, functional, object-oriented, so on. It helps you helps you in the one you, you learn new concepts, and and I think I I could bring all those learnings with me. Indeed, so I think I think you're right in terms of the fact that the more you learn and the wider your your understanding, the more it actually helps you doing what you focus on as much as anything else. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to begin your career again right now, what would you do? I still think there are huge problems to be solved. My guiding question is sort of how do we make less steps between coding and it being in production? And some would argue you could do that instantly today with platforms like Heroku, but 
really like in a real large company environment, how do you make that a reality? And I would look at that, right? Like I would build apps and remove points of friction. That's just how it works. I would, the thing I would not do is maybe more, more specific is what I would not do is figuring out what everybody else is doing and just, you know, fall into that. I, I think yeah. I would look towards how do I make this better? Sure. Would you, would you go almost in the direction everybody isn't going as well? Yeah, just as a learning exercise, not to be like contrarian. You like sure. you just want to you just want to see like what's what's the what's the big hype about, you know? Yeah. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? For me, I mean, it's it's just continuing to build the company, but from a specific IT perspective, I I really want to continue getting to this point where we have a lot more confidence in our IT infrastructure. Uh, and how do we gain that confidence and how do we do it securely, right? So how do we better integrate things like Vault with schedulers, with infrastructure management like Terraform? Like how do we make this a more complete package is what I'm trying to focus on. Sure. In terms of your vision for HashiCorp, where is that going? Do you have a particular directional goal? It's hard to answer now because it's going in a lot of different directions because we have a lot of products and we're we're kind of not a small company anymore. But the general direction we're still going in is is just improving automation and cloud automation. But, you know, depending if you're talking to a Vault person or a Terraform person, it's, it's a little different. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Uh, this is this is one I'm really passionate about uh, and, and really vocal about, too. I, I've blogged about it. I tweet about it. I've given talks about it. But the number one non-technical skill that has helped me get this this far and beyond is being nice, being understanding, and being patient. I think, and being honest. I guess would be the last one. I think that that's something I learned early on. Not working in technical environments, working in retail environments, working in the food industry, um, like you know, early high school jobs, things like that. Uh, something my parents taught me. But I think there's just so much lack of honesty that that comes from corporations and the news sometimes and, you know, politicians and just the world around us that when you talk to someone that's just being honest with you, it's sort of like a breath of fresh air, but it's really how everyone should always be. Right. And so I sort of approach open source communities and even our corporate PR and everything like that as a, you know, I don't want to put a spin on this. Like what, what's the way to say it honestly. Um, And I think we've grown to a decently sized company now and, that's very well respected. We just, I don't want to talk too long, but there's one uh, one customer, for example, we walked into a sales meeting and we walked out an hour later, we did the whole meeting, but we walked out saying they wanted to buy our software and we told them no. <laughs> we said, <laughs> uh, we're not going to sell it to you. And they, they, were, they were kind of pissed, but they asked why. And we told them, you know, you're not ready for these reasons. Like if you, if you buy our software today, it's going to fail because of non-technical reasons. And because of that, you're going to blame us. You're going to blame our software, but it's not our fault. And here's what you need to learn. And we don't do that as a company, but we could you know, suggest people. And that happened. And then a year later, they came back to us and at the time became our biggest deal we ever closed. And, and they said a year later that they walked away from that meeting so surprised, not just because we said no, but because everybody else, literally everybody else they met said yes. Yeah. And they went with one of those vendors and had a terrible experience. And it probably wasn't even that vendor's fault, to be honest, but they ended up going with us. And I think a big part of that was, you know, because we had that honesty. 
Sure. So you, it sounds like you de- definitely value things like integrity and transparency, and, so and, and therefore yeah. obviously it's giving your your company's reputation actually a, a boost as much as anything else. Yeah, so much. And and you know, it's not you know humans are not infallible. So it's like I've made mistakes. I've lost my temper before. I've been not as honest as I should be before. Like it happens, um, and it happens. And I understand that. It's just if your guiding principles are always that you strive to always be honest and work with integrity and things like that. I think that's the best you could do. Yeah. So Mitchell, can you maybe share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Let's get really practical here, I guess. I, and my parting advice would be to focus on automation. I don't, I don't see a, there's a limit to automation for sure. I don't think we're near that yet. So, and I don't think there's a future with less automation. So if you find yourself hand editing files or manually anything you're doing manually as a human just think about how could you not um because whether you like it or not um i think that's where things are heading and the engineers that i the it sort of engineers and and professionals i've seen that have really dedicated themselves to automation are wildly successful right now and i think it's a great career move and finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? I'm pretty transparent, I guess, on on Twitter and GitHub. And the, the company is HashiCorp.com. It's not hard to find how to contact me and things like that. My, my name on all sites is Mitchell H. Just go ahead and look for either HashiCorp or Mitchell H. And, and you'll find ways to contact me and follow me and things like that. Mitchell, thank you so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. My thanks to Mitchell for being my guest on today's show. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e76. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Jeff Atwood, founder of Stack Overflow and the Stack Exchange Network. You can get next week's episode and other future episodes automatically downloaded and available to play by simply subscribing to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever streaming service you're using to listen. Thanks again for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.